Hey, what's up, Mizzou fans? Gabe DRM and Gerard Hamilton here with you live from the press box at Faro Field at Memorial Stadium after a 26-22 loss to Georgia. I, the only way I can describe this one is different story, same ending. Uh, if if you want to be honest about it, and we'll we'll get into it, how it happened, why it happened, you know where where it turned, all that. Um, we'll, we'll take your comments and your questions. Feel free to, there's already a bunch of them. We'll get to them momentarily. I want to start you guys out on, on what I consider a happy note that is supporting our sponsor, 573Ts.com. Here's what 573Ts does. You get an idea that Ed Chang, who never played a minute at Missouri basketball, is your favorite player in recent years. You message 573Ts, say he transferred to Idaho State. I want an Ed Chang jersey. They make it for you, and you can wear it to uh, Mizzou Madness last night on the quad. They can make polos for you just like that. A lot of power Mizzou gear. A lot of good stuff at 573T.com. They just had a, a new release today. And uh, look, give them your business, Alley A, between 9th and 10th Street, 573TEES.com. But we know you guys are here to talk about the game. Gerard, just off the cuff, opening thoughts, man. What's, what's your big takeaways here? This team did not lose because of the defense. This team didn't lose because of the coaching, although I don't like that last offensive series. It's they oh, we're going to talk about that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But they lost just simply because they, they've got a few jimmies, but there seems like there's still a lot of Joes running around here. Just not enough pieces to get it done when you need to get it done. So here's the frustrating part, I think, if you're in Missouri, <clears throat> This effort beats Auburn. This effort probably beats Kansas State. This effort beats every team left on your schedule, maybe with the exception of Tennessee. But the only team this effort doesn't beat is the one you played tonight. And the challenge is bringing this effort against teams that aren't as good as Georgia. Because if you can't get up for this game, the number one team in the country coming to your house you shouldn't play college football, right? So they got up for this game. The question is, can they do it again? And the the, the analogy I'm using in my column that I told you about on the way up, I'm impressed as hell that Missouri got back up off the mat and put this effort together. But the problem is now they got to do it again. Rocky Balboa lost to Apollo Creed the first time, but he came back and beat him the second time. Missouri just lost to Apollo again. And now they got to find a way to come back and and whether it's beat Apollo or maybe the better analogy is beat Clever Lang, you know, they got to find a way to win a fight because uh, they haven't done it. And for all the credit they deserve tonight, th this was as much fun as I've had in this stadium in eight years. I, I mean, this game was a ball to cover, man. It was a great football game. And I feel like Georgia won it more than Missouri lost it. But the scoreboard says you lost and the scoreboard's really the only thing that matters because here's what we don't know about this team. Will they bring this effort at Gainesville? Are they going to come out in the swamp and play to the level of that competition and be just good enough to lose again? And I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the rest of the season brings. And a good point to that is as far as just like bringing that effort, you know, it's easy. I'm not going to say it's easy, but I can get up for if I'm a football player, SEC, you know, we're going to face an SEC foe. We just beat Abilene Christian, but it was kind of like a so-so-ish, you know, effort and feel. I want to go get my uh, a road win versus SEC team. You can do that. Then bouncing back knowing, okay, I got the number one team in the nation coming to, to my crib. 
I can get up for the number one team no matter what. But especially if it's at my crib, the thing is, like how you said, getting back up. Those were two good reasons to have a reason to fight. Next week, going to the swamp after not getting a.m. Yep, not not after not just getting punched, you know, knocked down once, but twice. Can you find a reason for a middling, weird Florida team to be like, all right, we still got this? Because the swing games, we've talked about this since the beginning of the season. They've got to win the swing games. And, the, like, the good part is about – I want to say good, but we – everybody expected them to lose to Georgia. They didn't expect this fight. But the problem is you already lost to Kansas State. You already lost to Auburn. Like, that is where it gets great. All right. Do you want to start with the stuff that'll make the people watching happier or do you want to just piss them off right out of the gate? I like being a fan favorite. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so let's, let's start about the defense. Um, we were walking around on the, on the sideline before the game. We try to do that, see who's in uniform, who's not in uniform, see which recruits are here. And you happen to uh, have your phone out and, and get some video of, Jaden Jernigan and Darius Robinson mixing it up a little bit with Jalen Carter and Georgia's defensive line. And our reaction, you tweeted out that video. Everybody can go to at Gerard C. Hamilton, check it out. It'll be in his story as well. But our reaction, I think, when it happened was, yo, man, don't poke the bear. What are you doing? But it kind of seemed to fuel them. I mean, that defense played with its absolute hair on fire for three quarters and about six minutes. Yeah, but pre-game I was on the field, like like you said. I wasn't with Gabe. Believe it or not, guys, we do separate. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was watching, and I kind of seen this from a mile away. Um, and many athletes know this. The defense players from Mizzou, they were doing the stretching drills, uh, stretching drills and things like that. And Jalen Carter and a couple other defensive linemen from Georgia, they came in like really close to them. And it, to the point where after a minute, Darius Robinson kind of, you know, what are you guys doing here? That video already 33,000 views. It was crazy. Um, that, you know, they kind of like I was wondering before the game, what would the effort be? for Missouri, considering that. Like, you can say, oh, it's the number one team in the nation, blah, blah, blah. But after the way you lost to a team you should have beat twice, we didn't know that. But after I saw that, I was thinking at the very least, they're going down swinging. Like, if if they lose, it's not going to be because of the defense, and it wasn't. Yeah. So we were talking about Tyron Hopper, and we were talking about him. Like, this is late first quarter because that kid was – well, the first play from scrimmage was – or second play from scrimmage was Christian Williams. But then Tyron Hopper was – I think he was the best player on either team tonight. Um, I did not think Missouri could – like, I thought it was unfair to say, hey, he's stepping into that Nick Bolton role. They didn't have it last year at all. He's stepping in. They need him to be Nick Bolton. I love Nick Bolton. That kid was a hell of a football player. Tyron Hopper, through five games, has been every bit as good as Nick Bolton was at Missouri, I think. He has, like – you know, Isaiah McGuire said, I will go to war with that guy any day after the game. And he was fantastic, man. I I, th- I think he's kind of the, the heart of what they do on defense. Even though the defensive line was great, Chris Abrams' drain I thought was great. But Tyron Hopper is the guy that's making this thing go. Tyron Hopper, and, and I said this in one of my quick thoughts uh, during the game, Tyron Hopper and Dominic Lovett are playing hot potato for who's the best player on this team season to me they're going back and forth and and maybe tyron hopper gets the advantage is because 
Uh, Levy did not play the second half. At least I don't remember seeing him play the, play the second half or playing too much in the second half. But he – we were talking about, as far as Nick Bolton, his thing was he couldn't really drop back in coverage. He wasn't – you know, you didn't know if he could play three downs. Tyron Hopper, blitzing the quarterback, sacks, tackles for loss, coverage. I, like – I'm trying to think of him in coverage in a time where I was just like, ah, but he's a linebacker. You know, you try to give out – he's a linebacker. No, he plays – like, you know, it's okay for him to be out there. He can move. He can turn his hips. He can, you know, get the pass deflections. He can make – he can read the QB's eyes. He can do a lot of things. And he is the heart and soul of, the, of this defense, in my opinion, um, for just every – how versatile he is. Okay, now let's go to – let's actually start with another good point. Let's go to special teams. Because, man, there was some stuff said about Harrison Mebus last last week. And let's not beat around the bush. It got personal. It was trashy. If you're watching and you did it, you should feel bad about yourself. Not because he came back and made five field goals, but because you don't – just some of the stuff that's, that was said about Mevis last week was unfair. Look, he didn't lose 20 pounds since last week. He didn't start taking practice kicks since last week. He missed a kick. And he got up in front of us all on Tuesday and he said, look, guys, there's nothing to I just missed. I pushed it right and I missed and I've got to be better than that. And I'm going to be better than that on Saturday. And damn, he was better. Five for five, 250 yarders. I He was going to be the MVP if Missouri won this game. He was. I mean, through three and a half quarters, Harrison Meebus outscored this team 16 to 12. Yep. For those two touchdowns with about nine minutes left, I think it's when Georgia got their first touchdown or somewhere around those lines. He told us on Tuesday what you said, but he said when somebody's, you know, how do you bounce back? I'll respond Saturday. And, like, his confidence was not shook in the in the least. Dave asked him, um, you know, do you make any changes with, you know, how you kick or your preparation? And he said, no, because when you start doing that, you start touching things, and now you're, you're doing too much, and now you're getting in a problem of you have mechanics you can't. Fix. You know, you almost get the yips, maybe. So, I mean, he bounced back, and he, I guess, in a way, offensively, kept them in the game as much as the defense did. You know, their part. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about let's talk about the offense. Um, and look, I'm going to go back and try to find some of these comments, guys. Uh, first point, and and Joe Schmitter brings up a good one, and I asked Eli Drinkwitz about it at halftime. Um. I don't know if Dominic Lovett played in the second half. I know he didn't have a catch. He had six for 84, like midway through the second quarter. He was pretty clearly Missouri's best offensive player. He was getting open. He was doing damage. He ended the game with six for 84 on seven targets. Again, maybe he was on the field a little bit in the second half, but if he was, I didn't see it. But, I mean, without him... Missouri's offense in the second half basically consisted of one long throw to Mookie Cooper and was Cody Schrader's long run. That I, I can't remember if that was in the first or the second half, but I, there wasn't much is the point. And you do have to acknowledge Missouri was up against it against this team regardless, but then you take the best player off an offense that's already hamstrung. That's pretty tough. Schrader's run came at the end of the second quarter. Okay. Uh, three to three to sixteen, they got a field goal because of that. But yeah, when Dom Lovick went out, and I felt I don't know if I said this on on here or maybe 
early in the week, but everybody keeps saying, like, if you listen to coaches, other coaches, you know, pregame conference or whatever, they're always talking about Luther. Player they need to be talking about is number seven. And there's a reason why. He can stretch the field in all types of waves, uh, forward, backwards, left, right. Like, he's that dynamic out of the slot. And then once he goes, I mean, who else is – who else has the speed and the agility at the same time to really be able to complete his role fully? Like Luther can do some of this, and we talked about this, but Luther doesn't have – he's not as fast as Don. He has elite vision and agility, but you have – speed matters for something. And once you lose that speed, it was kind of tough for him. Mookie got open on the deep throw. I thought Mookie Cooper played his best game. Barrett Bannister made plays. Barrett Bannister was really good tonight, but Barrett Bannister is not a stretch the field guy, obviously. He's a he's a, a, a move the chains guy, and he made some some really good plays, but they just were missing. They were yeah, missing love in and the second half. Three for 18 for Bannister. It felt like more than that. I know one of them obviously got taken away from yeah. the third and seven, but it feels like another one may have gotten taken away. Like, Three for 18. It just feels like Bannister had like five or six catches. It, like, it, it was, feels like he had more. Yeah, yeah I agree. Definitely um, doing work. So let's get to it. Um, Stewart <laughs> says, uh, defense is legit. I'm not understanding the last drive. I've got to at least try a run. We all know where Brady goes with the ball. Overall, not happy. Okay, so I want to preface this by saying I am not telling you guys this is right. I am not telling you guys you should agree with it. But that was the first question that I asked Eli Drinkwitz after the game was, tell me about the last drive. What was the plan? What what were you doing? So I'm going to give you his answer. I'm going to walk you through it. He said, first down, we tried a double move to Luther. Wasn't open, threw the ball away, so we didn't take a sack. Second down, uh, tried to go to Toski Dove. In triple coverage. Triple coverage. He triple wasn't coverage. open. Even if he was open, the ball was thrown eight yards <laughs> over his head. Third down, um, he said they 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 got man coverage and Barrett Bannister was open and they missed him. Um, so that's what happened on the three plays. And I asked Drinkwitz, I said, would you do anything differently if you had to do it again? And he said no. And what, what he said was, I didn't want to run there because he was trying to give his team two drives. He was obviously he wanted to complete a pass and get the first down. But the reason he threw three passes, I think they held the ball for 18 seconds, was if they didn't get that first down, he wanted to punt the ball with enough time left that they could get the ball back again, which, look, in theory is right. If if Georgia, if they get the stop on Georgia, they're going to get the ball back with two, two and a half minutes left, and there's enough time, and I get that. That feels to me kind of like when a coach has the two-point conversion chart and he says, well, I don't know, man. I went for two because the chart says to go for two, even though, like, you know, yeah, the chart might say that, but sometimes the chart is wrong. Like, by the book, Eli's explanation makes sense. But, like, I think you've got to run something safe. My, my problem wasn't throwing the football. I'm good with throwing the football there. But throw something short. Get something you can complete. You don't need a 35-yard gain on first down. You don't need to go past the sticks on second down. Even on third down, throw for five and go for it on fourth and five because, Gerard, there's not a person in the stadium that expected Missouri to touch the ball again after they punted. Yeah, like the way uh, – I'm sorry, guys. The way I process some things is I just related to other sports. So this two-for-one is the equivalent of taking a like a fast break three with 30 seconds left 
and you know it's like a 25 second shot or whatever but sometimes it's better to just like take up that whole take up the whole shot clock even if you leave five seconds and the other team has a chance to score if it's smarter and better to get the best shot do that and then secondly like i just felt like everybody knew that possession they were gonna sell like you just knew they weren't going to do their regular offense. I was telling you, like, it, it doesn't seem like they're going to run. They should have ran on first down. Like, you've got to see what you can get, or you got to do a short pass or something, something, like you said. To yeah, do that little jet sweep pop pass, right? Whatever do you something. do. But when they threw it to yards. Yeah, when they threw it to Burden in that coverage, when this is the second week in a row, they've thrown some yeah. Burden on a, on a nine route where it was just like, Burden hasn't beat his man. He hasn't shook nobody. It's you're just throwing it up to throw it up to say, you know, you're hoping to get PI. That's the best yeah. thing that could happen. And and Burden drew two, although it should have been three of those today. And I can get that. But I don't know. You know how flabbergasted I was at the triple coverage to Toski up like yeah. come on now. Come on. And then if you're going to like if you were still gonna go to third, you know, go for it on fourth down. On third down, they had the light box. They had four people in the box. I was thinking you could actually run it, considering how many people they have on the line. Like, you could run it or do something short again and, you know, go for it on fourth. The two-for-one situation, you're right. Technically, you can see it. And I would feel good about that if Georgia hadn't got a a touchdown on the possession before. If If they had scored on six straight drives at that point. Who? Wait, who has scored? Georgia. Georgia had scored on its last six drives, four field goals and two touchdowns. But my thing is, if they had the um, – if this game was a little, like a little different and they were just still getting by by field goals and they haven't scored a touchdown on you yet, but it felt like that touchdown was like, ah, we figured them out. We're going to we're gonna yeah. take it out. Because they knew their defense, Jalen Carter or not, would get them back. Yeah, and I just said with, with 4-0-3 left when Missouri got the ball, I said, you don't punt on this drive. Like, because to me – Okay, if you're at your 20-yard line and you go for it on fourth and 10 and you don't get it, okay, cool, Georgia goes and scores and the game's over. The game was over anyway. And I I get that coaches don't play that way. Coaches are saying, hey, man, my defense has made a lot of stops. I trust my defense to make a stop. I get it. And I understand why he didn't punt there but or why he did punt there. But I just, to me, when they punted, it, it was done. Uh, I, I mean, I, I just I, I didn't see any chance that they were going to touch the ball again, and they didn't. And I don't blame the defense for that, man. They they had done it all night long, and they just didn't have one more stop in them against what, by the way, is the best defense in, or best offense in America, or at least one of them. So Kyle McCormick kind of brings up the other point we got to talk about. Mizzou had chances to win. False start on the one, hands to the face on the third down conversion. And let's be clear here. We can complain about some calls. Yes, there was a PI that wasn't called when Luther Burden had the ball. Um, the the call against Martez Manuel, maybe it was right. It just seemed really weird to me. It wasn't a call I'd seen. But bad officiating didn't lose this game because those two calls, they were the right calls. I mean, they, they clearly both occurred. Missouri lost by four points, and those two plays cost them seven. You have first and goal with the one. You immediately fall start, push it back to the six settle for a field goal that's four points the the pass to banister where the hands to the face was called missouri was in field goal range they were inside the 30 yard line for a guy who had gone five for five that's three more points that's seven points they lost by four i I mean it can't happen man 
someone uh, said in one of the quick thoughts that if you look back on it, and I haven't got a chance to look back on it, that on that first and one, that I think it may have been Wood. But regardless, somebody fall started. It was they Mitchell Wood. No, no, they said you, oh. no, no, they said if you looked at it again, Wood did it first, and then but they called him oh. the Walters, who may have also moved too. Whoever and, did it, and yeah, whoever did it, it's it's tough. It's tough that it got called on Walters, but I mean, Wood is leading this team in penalty. I think he's got like five or six. Regardless, it's that right side, and and that first and one, we talked about it right when it happened. If they score a touchdown there, and we're looking at twenty to three instead of. It's totally you know, different game. Oh man, the the upset alert! Like I still said it, but it was like it would have been real red alarm type of stuff. When Georgia cuts it to sixteen to six, they get a quick stop. They score, you know, or whatever. They just keep chucking away with the field goals. You can kind of feel it in the air after halftime, even though nothing had happened. You could kind of feel like ah, there was a missed opportunity. There was never a point in the second half where I felt like Missouri had momentum. The entire second half, I kind of felt like Missouri was hanging on, and it was like, please let this clock run out before it's, you know, just if they play a 25-minute second half, Missouri wins the game. If they play a 24-minute second half, Missouri wins the game. But it just felt like from that that opening drive, and, and, and again, I mean, I tweeted it, hey, settling for a field goal on first and one, first and goal from the one like mark that down it just feels like something that's going to come back to haunt him and it did and then you know the face the the hands to the face i mean it was clear as day it happened and drinkwood said look it, it you know he's not trying to do it obviously um he said but you miss your punch it's it's the wrong location your hand ends up in the guy's face mask and it can't happen. And it, it, like, there's no answer you can give other than what he gave was just go back and, and try to get better. But there's nothing you can say that explains that away. And kind of like last week, hey, are there a lot of things that could change it? Absolutely. But to me, the two most glaring ones are those two penalties, man. That's seven points off the board. Yeah. And what, what I've got for you guys coming up after this is it's going to start it off. This team is a handful of plays away from being 4-1 and one and 2-0 and oh in the SEC with a road win, which they can't get, and a win over the number one team in the country. And, you know, and, like, how the tables turn from uh, this team could – we started at 6-6 six and six to if they get those plays to go their way, we're thinking of what type of bowl they can get to. But where we really are, just can they get to 5-7? and seven? Yeah, and, I, I mean – like this game, this game should give people hope. Again, I mean, if you can, if you can take Georgia to the wire, you can legitimately play with anybody on the right day. But college football, we've said this every week. It's twelve complete. What they did tonight, we have absolutely no idea if that's the team we see next Saturday. If that's the team we see next Saturday, they're going to win at Florida. If they play this game, they will win at Florida. But we have no idea if we're going to see this team. And if, you know, Drinkwood said last week that that game couldn't define their season, right? And it it, it, it clearly didn't. They came back and, and they got up off the mat. They deserve a lot of credit. But this game can't define the season either. It can't be, hey, man, that was, that was really cool when we almost beat the number one team in the country because it's still a loss. And frankly, if you come out flat and you get your butts beat at Florida next week, I don't really think this week matters. 
this week is just that one thing that you point to at the end of the year and say, Hey man, almost like that, that was fun, but, but it doesn't matter. I, next week has to be a win now because without next week being a win, if next week is a win, I look at a team that took George to the wire, beat Florida, and I'll, I'll listen to talk of a bowl game again. Next week's a loss. Two and four ain't no bowl game. It's all about the motivation again. I can get up for first SEC, uh, you know, opponent. I can get up for the number one team coming to my place. Going to the swamp on the road when I can't win on the road already. I mean, it's it's hard. And I'm not saying they don't have motivation. I'm just saying when you keep getting punched and you keep getting knocked down and heartbreaking, it's not even they're just losing. They're losing games they've won, essentially. And, and that's tough to come back from. Yeah. Um AU Stock says the difference in this game is all field goals and one touchdown, except it's not because Georgia did the same thing. They kicked four field goals and two touchdowns. So technically is the difference Georgia scored a second touchdown and Missouri didn't? Yes. But uh, Georgia wasn't better in the red zone than Missouri was. I, I, you know, I, I don't think that's the difference uh, really. Let's see. Um Show me Mo says the D coordinator knows talent, leave them alone, give them what they need, as well as give them the players they need. Offense needs a hybrid tight end, wide receiver, bigger bodies in the red zone. Offense just needs a lot, man. I, I mean, it just does. The, the offensive line was, was better tonight. Cody Schrader made some plays. Nate Pete had a nice run. There were some plays, but it's like Gerard said at the beginning. They just don't have enough to do it consistently. I mean, when they went back out there with 403 left, Drinkwitz is trying to get an offense down the field that has a quarterback who's limited, playing without its best wide receiver, and I I don't know how you do that, man. This offensive line the last couple of weeks has been such a contradiction because even if you go back to week one, 300 yards, but everybody knew like 300 rushing yards or whatever it was just because of mostly the running backs last week. After week three, when they had all those penalties, they come back in week four. I think they only had one penalty on the offensive line, but they allowed four sacks and seven tackles for loss or something like that. And then this week, I was telling you, like, I actually see holes for the running back to run, like the running backs to run through. Brady Cook is getting some of the best on certain plays, getting some of the best best pass protection he's had all season. But then when we go down to the four penalties on four different linemen or something like that, and then one on the goal line and the one on third and seven, like it's one step forward, two steps Part back. of it. Yep. Yeah, no yeah. Uh, Mo Football tossing us a few bucks. Appreciate that. Thank Says you. appreciate the show. Why can't we ever get guys open over the middle with multiple crossing routes? Um, you know, that that's a thing that honestly, like immediately after the game, I have a hard time saying what was in the middle, what wasn't. Uh, the, the, I believe the third and ten play to Bannister was – was a crossing route and drink what said he was open and they just missed him. It, that was over the middle, right? That played that the, basically what ended up being the last offensive play of the game. I for Missouri. Every time I keep thinking of Bannister, I just keep thinking about the third and seven. I've, I've been trying to think of what this third down with Bannister was that I'm just, I think it was a crossing pattern over the middle and he was open and cook. Just, they just didn't get him the ball. I, 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 I will say this when it comes to, the middle of the field like there was a play where i was just like oh he, he tries to hit burden instead he had burden on a nice in route for like 
10 or 15 yards or something like that. Like, I don't know. He's missed a few of his reads this season. That's been kind of part of his season, but I don't know. Like you said, we would have to go back and watch more and rewatch to kind of see all of them, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, tonight for Brady Cook seemed like the opposite of last week. Last week I thought he was really bad all game and he made the one throw to put Missouri in position to win. Tonight, mm-hmm. he was pretty good most of, not perfect. Not not you know, nobody's giving him a Heisman for the first three quarters, but like he did what they needed him to do. He made enough throws to win this game. But then when they needed one more or two more, it just it, not only did it not happen, I mean, it wasn't close. I, I think people feel even a little bit different about this game. If they get to like the 45, you know, they get three first downs and then stall out because they, they, or they don't get it on fourth down or they get down to the red zone and can't quite finish it off. But the last offensive drive just left you feeling so hollow because it just wasn't close. I mean, they, they, they didn't get any yard and they weren't close to getting the yard. It's part play calling and it's part of you. And you kind of talked me off a ledge a little bit. It's part him. We don't know what the read is or what the primary route or who you should be going to on these plays are, but it just feels like give him a lead or, you know, whatever, and you tell him to make that deep pass, he can do it. He did a couple times in this game when there was no pressure on him. You say, okay, um, you know, you're only up three or, you know, you're trailing or something like that, and then it just becomes like, like, I don't know, like that play to burden, I just – Instantly right there, I knew like the game is over because that wasn't what you were doing all game. That was you not just wasted first and ten. You yeah. wasted first down and then going to triple coverage. I mean, he did that maybe two or three times this game where it was just like, why is he throwing in double coverage? I'm pretty sure he had a drop pick at one point too. Like, yeah, why are we trying these aren't even calculated risk at this point, you know? So those are two, you know, two wasted mm-hmm. plays. And then on the third down on that one, was that not the little dump off to Mookie to get like that three was that was three? after the banister penalty. It was third oh, okay, and twenty two, okay. and they threw to Mookie for a yard. And it's like, okay, yeah. why not? Why not at least do an arm punt? Throw it forty yards downfield. Maybe you get pi if they pick it off. It's a punt. Who cares? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, I can't. I can't do like that. Honestly, with Bannister, but same deal though. Like that's part play calling, part of what are the reads on some of these plays. So Atheos brings up kind of a good point. You want that nasty tight end. That's what this. It, that's one thing this offense is missing. And look, I want to give Tyler Stevens credit. He made a hell of a catch for Missouri's only touchdown. Really nice play, but. The weird thing is I felt like Missouri did a pretty good job on Georgia's tight ends. What would you guess? And maybe you've looked at this. I just did. Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington combined. What would you guess their line is tonight when you combine? Combined? Them? Yeah. Five receptions for like 78 yards. Eight for 130. Like I no thought way. Missouri – Yep, I thought Missouri did a pretty good job against them, and they still had eight catches for 130 yards. And that is that the only difference between Missouri's offense and Georgia's offense? It is not. But that is one thing Missouri is missing, certainly. Um, let's see if uh, we get some other questions here. Got a little uh, shout-out from Stewart. Appreciate that, Stewart. Thank you. Um Austin says, like we've said, if this team shows up for every game moving forward, they can win all. Yes, if this, if they play this game seven more times, like, sure, I guess nine and three technically would be in the picture. 
Yeah. I'd, I'd probably give you money. They ain't playing this game seven more times. But you guys see at the bottom here where it's telling us the score. I didn't know this, but Mizzou led for first 56 minutes of this game. They know that. And that's crushing to know I can do this. Like, it doesn't matter how you start the game if you're losing. It, yeah. it's like, I, I feel like uh, I feel like this is what we come back to every single time we talk about this team. Carpe Donnelly says this team is an impact transfer QB away from five and zero and a win against the number one team in the nation. Sometimes that comes down to a QB being the best player on the field. I agree with all of that except five and zero. They're all of that away from four and one. They got beat by four touchdowns at K State. It wasn't that close. That's not just you were more than a quarterback away in this game. But overall, it's yes. There, again, there is a reason Eli Drinkwitz chased every transfer on the market in the offseason. The failure was not getting them, and as Stuart West brings up, part of the problem may be that Tyler Macon can't play. Look, I, you guys are right. You're not wrong by saying that. We just – it's established. I, we, I, I don't know. That's where we end up every, every week, but we end up there because it's right. I think part of that is – you, you know, you guys talking about the impact transfers. Everything he just said was correct. But in the same sense, you could say, you know, there are a couple different plays that don't have anything to do with Brady Cook away from being 4-1 and one with him as a starting quarterback. Right. So, right. like, it's the, – Yeah, he, he didn't miss a kick. He didn't drop the ball, and he didn't commit two penalties tonight. Exactly. So you can't – you can't be always be the turn to the Brady Cook thing – when it's not him, like he's there's plays, he's you know, we're just like, ah, he's got to be better, but he's not losing these games, which is his job. As I feel like at this point, Gabe, he's a game manager. We were trying to, oh, hold yeah. Yeah. he's no he's a game, man, game manager, was trying to hold off for a couple weeks, but that's his job, and he's, he does it well enough that they should be four and one. The problem is when you have a game manager and you get in a position to need him to go 75 yards in four minutes, it's probably just not happening. Yeah. Not, against, not against this defense, you know. But I don't know. At that last possession, and this is where the play calling comes in, it feels not like they quit, but that was not – They didn't give play. themselves the best chance. Yeah, the, like Georgia to me didn't necessarily just take it from them. They kind of got a little bit of help from Missouri not saying let's stick what's got us 22 points and let's that's kept us in field goal range. Yeah. And losing, Brett Roberts that is Brett what Roberts a game better is. Than, than either of us did. He's not losing the games, but he's also not winning them. And and that's fair. Brady Cook's not the reason they're losing, but he's also not the reason they're winning. And this team feels like it needs a quarterback that's the reason they can win. And it doesn't happen. And the, and the problem is, Brett, they don't have another quarterback who would make them feel even in the middle. I feel they put any other quarterback in there, they would be able to say he is the reason we lost this game. <laughs> yeah. Easily. All right. So let's just wrap it up with this because we've still got a lot of a lot of writing to do. We we're good. We got tons of stuff on this game. So we want to cut this off pretty quick. Gerard, do you feel better or worse about Missouri? than you felt at 629 tonight? I feel better about the games that I'll be covering. I do not feel I do not feel they will eclipse five wins. Yeah. Like like they will play tougher. They will be better. And 
and some of the swing games where I was just like, yeah, they're swing games, but I'm leaning more so this side for the other team or whatever, that may come back to how I felt like versus Auburn in that swing game, you know? And, and look, clearly, you can't say you feel worse about Missouri after that game. That'd be dumb, right? But I'm not going to say I feel better until I see the team that comes out next week. Because at this point, I don't yet trust them to come out and, and come out with an effort like they had tonight until I see them do it. I, I'm not saying they can't do it, but I got to see them do it. Because next week really looks like a game that could set up for, man, we poured everything out last week and we just don't have it this week. And if that's the case, then tonight doesn't really matter to me. And, and that's kind of where I fall on. Yeah, but one more thing, one more thing. Um, it's one thing to be, you know, two and one, and, you you know, you didn't play your best versus the SES school, but you lose to Auburn, now you're two and two. I got number one coming to my place, and I'm two and two though. Like I'm not now. You're two and three, and you just got you getting punched in the liver and the kidneys all the time. Like I know, like it just feels so much better when you like. All right, I'm still above 500. I'm at 500. Under 500, everything you feel like, every little practice thing you do, every play feels like ah, so close from being two and four and out the postseason basically. So. Rocky just lost the rematch, man. Clever Lang's waiting in uh, Gainesville, Florida. So, so Missouri back at it, 11 a.m. Um, appreciate all you guys for joining us live. It's almost midnight. We had a couple hundred people on here. Uh, appreciate that. I know uh, good game, not the way you wanted it to end. Look, I was good. I, I had plans. I was going to be doing this from a DJ booth at Harpo's, talking, writing a column about how Chase Daniel just bought everybody two, uh, two hours worth of drinks, and that didn't work out. So, uh, but appreciate you joining us. If you are here, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, do all the things that will uh, will get this uh, get the, what we're doing out to to more people. If you listen on the podcast, which I will upload right after this, leave us a nice review, share it on social media, all that. Whatever you do, check out five seven three teascom Whether it's a personalized Ed Chang T-shirt jersey, whether it's a Mizzou shirt you want, the Kansas City shirts, they got all kinds of things, man. Cardinal stuff. Uh, Albert Pujols, I've heard he's done some big things this year. They got some of that. So 573-TEES.com. You can go see them in person in Alley A between 9th and 10th Streets, uh, just a block off of Broadway. So appreciate you guys. Missouri 2 and 3. Be back at it next Saturday. And uh, that means so will we. Talk to you later.